and welcome to the Destiny Church Podcast. We trust that this will be a great encouragement to you and build your faith. Enjoy today's message. It's a real joy to uh, share with you and to be with you this morning. Normally, I don't do this, and normally, um, my wife is not with me. But when she heard I was coming to the tropics of Missouri, she said, enough of this Florida heat. I need a change. This is my wife, Luann. We will be married 44 years in a couple weeks. 44. She has a Presbyterian background, but but she's been forgiven for that. And uh, I may get her back up here in a few minutes. As she also didn't grow up with Sabbath and with some of the things that we're just going to scratch the surface of for just a few minutes this morning. But I wanted you to meet her. She's a she's a Hoosier, but today she will be rooting for Mahomes and the since she's rooting for Mahomes since he has no opportunity to defeat Tom Brady. So just so that we're clear, we, we are fair weather fans, and we actually, we, we've been rooting for him for quite a while. I just, I love, I love excellence. I, I love the display of God-given ability, talents, anointings, especially when he gets the glory for what he's given. Uh, I have yet to see Mr. Mahomes to glorify Jesus on a microphone, but I have a feeling it's coming, Um, even if it's just for his poor little $50 a year salary. I've taken him off of my prayer list for prosperity by it seems to have worked so I'm moving on to others Um, just real quick I have a few things out there for your listening pleasure you you may hear some things today that you've not thought about or not heard or not considered before and and I want you to know I'm on assignment today I am a kingdom salesman and the and heaven has sent me to your door to sell an aspect of kingdom and hopefully you're going to sign up and you'll get all the volumes of the encyclopedias and they'll all be shipped for free to your house but along with that you're going to get the blessings of things that you never even knew were waiting for you a couple things out on my table uh there's a A little CD, an EP of brand new songs, We Call Your Name. My daughter-in-law, who also comes from a Jewish background, and her dad was one of the leading pioneers in Messianic music. He and I, Sharon's dad and I, um, traveled the globe in the 70s and the 80s and the 90s, and I keep going and He got himself a real job, but she's written and sung with me. She was on American Idol. I'm guaranteeing you this is really good stuff. 
So that's out there, new songs you've never heard of before. Integrity put this together. I was with Integrity Music for nearly 30 years. I don't know, 30-some CDs, many of which you've never heard. But uh, the song Days of Elijah, we introduced that back in 1998 in Jerusalem. No, I didn't write it. I should have. I was out riding my Harley instead of spending time with Jesus. And, and so that Irish guy got the song. But his, this is a collection of some of our favorite stuff. And for many of you, it'll be brand new, mostly scripture. I have a, this thing about me about singing the word, singing the word. And I've, I've spoken with Elliot quite a bit about it. We are of the same opinion. The word of God is the only group of letters that has a promise on it. He says, my word will not return to me void or without producing what I sent it to do. And remember, faith comes by hearing. And hearing what? Hearing conversation in a, in a, in a local gymnasium? No, hearing the word of God. And I'm just, it just my opinion, take it or leave it, that if we will sing the word of God, music is the only thing I know of that has the opportunity to affect the entire experience of man all at the same time, body, soul, and spirit. And if we will take up the word and begin to sing it, the whole book of Psalms, I'm sure you know, is a series of songs that were written to give God the glory, but also to build the faith of the people of God day by day by day in the tabernacle and then in the temple. And so I highly recommend. Man, we sang it today. Take up, come on, my soul. Don't be stupid. Don't be lazy. Don't, don't be down. David says, why so downcast, oh, my soul? Get your tuchas up out of that seat and praise the Lord. What do you use to praise him? If all I've got is a hallelujah, how many times is that in the scriptures? Hallelujah is praise. Yah is short for Yahweh, the, the holy name of God. Boy, there's just, there's so much. I am giving praise to the holy one of Israel. Hallelujah. If that's all you got, give it to him and watch what happens. Selah, it's an instrumental you don't have to listen to me sing. It's just some of our, some of the world's leading Christian musicians offering their gift to the Lord. Amazing. Roar from Zion is our latest full-length recording in Jerusalem. Three years ago during the Feast of Tabernacles, Jewish believers, Arab believers, Christian believers from all over the world joined their voices together with all this new music outside the walls of Jerusalem, set up our equipment and just let it rip. And amazing. All right. Praise the Lord. Father, we give you thanks today for what you want us to hear. So, Lord, today we open up our ears, we open up our hearts, and, Lord, would you now speak? Lord, speak to us, and as worshipers, 
as sons and daughters, we commit, like Jesus, to do what we hear you say. And Father, we give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name. All right, Matthew 6.33. Oh, my goodness. Those are tiny letters back there. Okay, good. Whew. I don't know if you can see that. Okay, great. Thanks, guys. I was starting to panic because these glasses do no good except they make me look smart. I hope. Matthew 6.33. But seek first. Say first. The kingdom. Say kingdom. I promise I'm not going to do this for the next 20 minutes. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things, say all. That may be the last time I ask you to do that. I hate that. People will tell you all the time, punch your neighbor and tell them, I say, I want to punch you if you say it again. I, I get it. Righteousness, all these things will be added to you. Now, what are all these things? Well, you have to go back a couple of verses. But this is a very important chapter. So many things are declared to us in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. These three chapters contain what we call the Sermon on the Mount. Has anybody been on that blessed piece of property in the Galilee? Anybody here been where the Sermon on the Mount? Come on, man. Come on. Come on, man. We need... Uh, it's starting to open, and we have two tours uh, scheduled for this year. I hope some of you will join us now that you know that you either like me or are hoping I go back to Florida really soon. So um, keep an eye out. Something happens. Something happens when you put your feet in that soil. And I highly recommend it. Matthew 6.33, but seek first the kingdom. The kingdom. Let's start at the beginning. So what is a kingdom? Kingdom is a compound word. It is the domain of a king. The kingdom is a king's domain. But seek first the king's domain. That's where he rules. That's where he reigns. That's where he has authority. Now, of course, our king is different from all other kings because he's the king over all the other kings, right? So whether it's a king of Persia that's got a big swath of land or the, the king of whatever, Egypt, well, that's a pharaoh, he is king overall, so he actually has authority and rulership over it all. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Amen. Okay, talk to me. I'm, I'm one of these guys. I need to hear from you. And so he is different in this, but a kingdom is a domain where a king has authority and rule. So in order to have a kingdom, you need a couple of things. Let's understand what we're talking about because quite frankly, kingdom is just not preached. 
We, we go to church. There are 35,000 denominations. Somebody say, oh my. 35,000 denominations. It's easy to have unity in all of those. Well, I can't even say that. In most of those denominations, there is unity around Jesus as Lord. Not all of them, but most. But real power happens where there's agreement. Matthew 18, 19, when two agree is touching anything, they can have whatever they ask. Psalm 133, behold how good and how pleasant it is. Pardon me, I need to take a breath. There is so much I want to give you in the next 19 minutes and 37 seconds. And it's just not going to happen. I'm hoping to just really provoke you and whet your appetite. But if I keep taking these bunny trails, it, that not even that's going to happen. So let me get back here. There is aspects of a kingdom. In order to have a kingdom, you need certain things. Number one, you can probably guess, what is the most important thing to have in order to have a kingdom? A king. Hello. Number one, we, might, we need to have a king. Also, in order to have a kingdom, there needs to be a people. Third aspect is you need a place and then you need a purpose. So a kingdom. Seek first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness. All of these things will be added to you. So we need a king, a people, a place, and a purpose. What is included in this purpose? These are little notes I was making early this morning as, uh, as we were preparing to come this morning. What is involved in the purpose of a kingdom? We need to have a set of laws. We have in the United States a constitution and a bill of rights and other things that some of our leaders are trampling unashamedly, <clears throat> which means you can't have a kingdom if the laws mean nothing. You can't have a kingdom if there are no definable, defensible borders. Okay, I know I'm talking to patriots here, but I have to be careful. But I'm not. The older I get, the less care I take. It's just put it out there and let it stick where it sticks and, yep, amen. I have my, my mom and dad's, I was telling Pastor Chad, my mom and dad's memorial flag, they were, they were buried with full honors at Arlington National Cemetery, and there's just something inside of me. <clears throat> I'm, a, I'm a patriot, unashamed. And so there are laws that constitute a kingdom, but... There is also a calendar of events that celebrates the king and his kingdom. Now, if you hear nothing else, I, that is probably the, when we're talking about Sabbath, this is probably the most important thing to understand, that a kingdom, just like any other kingdom or any other nation, will have a series of 
of celebrations that celebrate the king who founded the kingdom and those different celebrations of victories that the king won over those who came to steal, kill, or destroy, or to destroy his kingdom, take his throne, and rule over. Now, we, we can't go there. I'm, I'm sure, like me, your brain is going, oh, I know there was one who, yep, mm-hmm, there's a king, there's two kingdoms that rule in this earth, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness. And they are diametrically opposed. They stand opposed, armed, and ready for battle. The good news is the kingdom of darkness has already been defeated. Hallelujah. So when you join the right army, your victory is assured. Okay. So this calendar of celebrations unite the people in the purposes of the king. They are important. That's why Jesus said at that Passover, whenever you do this, remember me. Whenever you celebrate me as your king, remember me. When you do this, these are important. And we're going to take a look at the different celebrations here pretty quick. And these these purposes define and they mark the people as uniquely belonging to the king. Let me say that again. This series of celebrations, as we embrace them, As we remember who the king is, we remember them on a calendar, we are marked as belonging to that kingdom and that king. All right, let's take a look. Let's take a look at, um, go to uh, Genesis 1.14, please, for just a second. Genesis 1.14. So there is a calendar of this kingdom. Mm. In fact, that reminds me, I wrote a book. I don't think we sent it. It's called Touching the Heart of God, Embracing the Calendar of the Kingdom. And in this little book, and it even got an award for something, I don't know what it was, maybe the best looking guy on the cover, No amens. Okay, maybe it's too small for you to see. But, um, dear, that was a good spot for you, but I didn't hear anything right there. Uh, (laughs) Yes, and I even introduced you. Um, So this is available for your Kindle at Touching the Heart of God. It goes into a lot of detail about the different celebrations that mark us as belonging to a certain king. And so that's um, my only copy with me. And the other one is Roar from Zion. This is the latest book. And I'm going to be, I don't have time to share with you out of this, but this is the latest one that goes beyond that about an experience of the kingdom that happened in Jacksonville and all of the different ripple effects that happened You know the name Pastor Stovall Weems. You're very connected with Celebration Church in Jacksonville. That's our home church. And and heaven showed up three, it'll be four years ago now? Wow. Right in front of the whole town. And and Jesus showed up and said some things and just rocked our little boat. And we're still 
dealing with the effects of it. But Roar from Zion speaks about that and all the different effects. Okay, so in Genesis 1:14, and God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night and let them be for signs. That word signs is the Hebrew word ot, O-T, and it means to mark and let them mark. And God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the sky. He's casting out into the darkness all this myriad of lights. He knows them by name. Isn't it amazing? He gave them their courses, the the path that they are to follow during the lifetime of their their burning and, and their light, the amount of oil and how they travel and what they do. And they are to mark Seasons. That word seasons is the word moedim, and it means appointed times. Appointed times. So before there was even a calendar of events, before there was a kingdom, the king over all kings, this blows me away. He established in the firmament where it couldn't be messed up by man, a calendar. He set an iCal that operates completely independent from our stuff. And he said, I'm putting them in the sky and they will mark important appointed times, marking signs and wonders extraordinary events. That's the Hebrew for what you just saw there. What now are they pointing to? Let's take a look over to Leviticus chapter 23. Wow, wow, wow. Do your clocks go faster in uh, when it's cold? Yeah, okay, all right. Mm-mm-mm-mm. So Leviticus chapter 23, let's read. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the people of Israel. Who are the people of Israel? They are the people of the king. These are the ones who have been called into the kingdom. They have been marked. They've been separated. It happened even before Passover and before the Feast of first fruits, and all of this, before Pharaoh even had a chance, this people were marked. How were they marked? Because one man determined that no matter how weird it sounded or how uncomfortable it was, that he would be a friend to this God who spoke to him. And he would do what he was told to do. And from that one man's faithfulness is why you and I are in this place today. It's amazing. Now, he was a type, excuse me, pardon me. He was, he was a type of the son of the king who would come later. But without Abraham, we ain't got a people, we ain't got a place, we'll still have a king. Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, these are the appointed feasts. There's that word again from Genesis, the very first page of your Bible. He's establishing a calendar, a place, a people, and his kingship. 
These are the appointed feasts, the Moedim of the Lord that you shall proclaim as holy convocations. They are my, say my. So often when I hear people share on this, they call these things the feasts of the Jews. And I just, I just want to scream. Normally I don't. Or the feasts of Israel. They are the feasts of Israel. They are the feasts of the Jews, but they are the feasts of the Lord. Does anybody here belong to Jesus? Can I see your hand? Two of you? All right, good. We got more work to do. You shall proclaim as holy convocations. They are my appointed feasts. Verse three, six days shall work be done. But on the seventh day is a Sabbath of solemn rest, a holy convocation. You shall do no work. That should, from tired, busy, pushed, pressed people, that one line should elicit from that kind of people a hallelujah. That should elicit from us, come on, idiot. He's just saying he's prepared for you a whole 24 hours to refresh, renew. The king commands you to be at rest. And yet our religious minds say, oh, well, that's for them. Or I didn't grow up with that. Or I don't get it. Or how can I not work in seven days? These are all things. And hear this. I am not telling you today you have to do this. I'm not here selling you that this is from sundown on Friday till sundown on Saturday. If you work, Jesus will hate you. Do you understand? I'm not saying this is what you have to do. I'm saying to you, I'm trying to sell to you a new way of understanding kingdom and how we are given life and a cycle of rest and labor and work and play that has been designed for the king because he knows that we are just flesh. Jesus often called himself son of man. Why? Because he was relating to us. Yes, he could walk on the water. Yes, he could raise the dead. Yes, he could do all these amazing things proving that he is God in the flesh. And yet his chosen title was, I'm just a son of man. I was born of a woman as promised. And my life is going to show you how to live in this world. Get this on earth as it is in heaven. When Jesus did miraculous things, the religious people said, show us the Father, show us Yahweh, and this will be enough. And what did he say to them? If you've seen me, you've seen my Father. And they hated him for that. And yet, he would leave there and speak to an, a tomb with a dead corpse in there and say, come forth after three days rotting in the ground. And all of a sudden, when they roll the stone away, out comes a living soul. And they hated him for what he said, equating himself with the king of all kings. And yet the truth remains. 
And he said, if you don't believe me for what I say, believe me for what I do. I need to, oh man. What did Joshua say to get the clock to stop? In John chapter 5, Jesus said, oh, do we have that? Yes. Jesus said to them, truly, I say to you, the Son of Man can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father do. For whatever the Father does, the Son does also. Why did Jesus raise the dead? He saw his Father do it. Why did Jesus speak peace and joy and righteousness? He heard his father say it. Now, in another place, Jesus said when he was rebuked for doing things that the religious didn't like, they said, why are you doing this on the Sabbath? He said, let me give you a secret. I created the Sabbath. I am Lord of the Sabbath. And again, Jesus only did what he saw his father do. And so this is enough for me. In six days, we can push and press and whatnot. And yet he says, I have a gift for you. All those foreign gods press their people and they have to bring offerings and worship and fresh flowers and so that day after day after day after day. And he said, I'm different from all those other gods. Six days, do all your stuff, prepare and whatnot. But on this day, here's a gift for you. Shut it all down. In fact, the word Shabbat means cease. Cease. So in our home, I had a song I wanted to share with you. I may get to a second service, might not. There's... there's if we, can, if we can hear in the heart of God that he wants for us to demonstrate heavenly life here on earth, and part of that demonstration is being a people who are not discipled by the same spirit of fear like all the other peoples in the world. A part of that is not being a people who are driven 24-7, 365 every year. Drive, 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 push, push, push. We are marked as a different people. And our celebrations, how we celebrate, who we celebrate, when we celebrate, mark us as a different kind of of people. And so I want to encourage us in closing, which means I only got to point two. Because I, I wanted you to hear how we do this. And maybe that's where I'll start in the second service if, if you have time. Um, the Chiefs don't play until two. And the game won't get really good until 3, 3.30. So you have time. But so as for me and my house, 
we take on a pattern of cease, rest, and worship that has been demonstrated through our covenant Jewish people for thousands and thousands of years. And you know what the point of it is? Being a people marked and demonstrating a family, a home, a house that honors the Lord, honors his presence, remembers the body and blood of Jesus. We celebrate every Friday night. My wife, who I told you was raised Presbyterian without any of this, wasn't taught it, didn't hear it, and yet has come to be such a treasure. And I guarantee you, as a result of how we've celebrated in our home, our two sons work with us. They still love us. They married Jewish believers. In their homes, they celebrate and separate Shabbat. Their sons, we have three grandsons, they help in the celebration. They can't wait for sundown on Friday night because we get to disconnect. We turn off our cell phones. There was a time when our kids, as teenagers, got to the place where they would come to the table with us and text each other across the table. I wanted to do something unholy with those phones. So, so the rule is, we, we cease, we rest, turn off all the stuff, all the other influences. At sundown, my wife has already prepared a beautiful meal of some of our favorite comfort foods. Shabbat is the best time for spaghetti and meatballs and all that carb-infested stuff that just makes you go, oh man, I am so glad I'm alive. And she lights the candles because the light of the world came into the world through a woman. And she lights two candles, one for the creation, one for the one who is the light of the world, and speaks a blessing over those. And then we have the elements of the bread and the cup on our table, which doesn't mean the same thing in a Jewish home. But we, we have found, of course, the deeper meaning in those elements. It's not just, thank you, Lord, for this food. Thank you for your provision. Yes, that's there. But we remember the one who actually provided it for us. And we drink of the cup. And we remember the blood of the covenant that got us to this table. And we break the bread, which my daughter-in-law has spent all Friday afternoon baking. There is a line of cars in front of her house on Friday afternoon because she makes the best challah. It's a special bread for this cease. And uh, it's, it's amazing. And we remember the Lord's body and we partake of that together. We look into each other's eyes. We give thanks for one another. And if our two-year-old is still at the table, we'll have a good meal together and enjoy a peaceful, loving, the whole family. It's y'all come. And we've opened it up to neighbors and visitors. We've had people saved at our Shabbat table. We had a Jewish girl come and hunker down 
from LA. I know I'm over. I'm about to quit. And she sat and, li and lived with us in our home for four or five months. A friend of our son and daughter-in-law from Los Angeles. And one day as we were celebrating this Shabbat and loving each other and, and loving Jesus, the Lord of the Sabbath, she sat and tears just rolling down her face. And she said, I can't take it anymore. I've got to have this. Was it Sabbath that she had to have? No, she had to have the Lord of the Sabbath. And right there, she prayed to receive Jesus. And then we took her outside the back door and we dunked her in the pool. And it was videoed and she sent it to her family. Her parents saw it and they wrote us notes of how grateful they were. I was shocked. And her sister says, I have to meet these people. Friends, this is just an opportunity for us again to demonstrate the faithfulness and the goodness of our king. We are marked. We are sons and daughters. And so, as for me and my house, we will do what we see our father do. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. In Jesus' name. Father, we give you thanks today for your goodness. Thank you, Lord, for giving us ears that hear and, and hearts that simply want to know you more. Lord, we surrender ourselves and we say, Lord, here we are. Do with us whatever pleases you. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Yeah, come hang out. Second service is going to be good. Hey, I just as, as Paul was preaching, Mark chapter 2 um, tells us the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. Meaning, I think sometimes we think the Sabbath is a burden. It's not a burden. It's a privilege. And I encourage you to dig in and understand Sabbath and all that it represents for you and your family. And one thing is, I like. One, one of the things I've taken with Sabbath is I understand when all of us have kids and our schedules are crazy, um, you might not be able to do Friday, you know, depending on your work. Or I know like during basketball season, maybe that's when some of you are playing basketball. I think what we want to do is we want to take time every week to slow down one day and honor God. If that works best for your family to do that on a Monday, then do that on Monday. If it's a Sunday, when I was a kid, I always thought Sabbath was Sunday and that meant we go to church. Sabbath is so much more than that. It's something that gives us the right to reflect and remember and slow down and stop from all the craziness. And so I just want to encourage you with that. We're going to talk more about that this year, even as a church. We're going to dig into it and we're all going to go on this journey together. Thank you so much for joining us. Special thanks to those of you who give to this ministry. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. You can check out the link in the description to give or visit destinychurch.me slash give. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. We love you and have a blessed week.